How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the MMA Fresh Take Podcast. We're talking about UFC 221 today. We're going to talk a little bit about the replacement main event for UFC 222, as well as what's going down with Frankie Edgar and Brian Ortega, Michael Bisping, Michelle Watterson, and a few other things that could come up today. But let's get right into it. Let's talk first about UFC 221 today. And... um, about what this card is bringing to the table this weekend and uh, what all it entails. So let's start with the main event. It's going to be Luke Rockhold versus Yoel Romero for the UFC Interim Middleweight Championship. Unfortunately, just a huge um, just a huge disappointment that Robert Whitaker ended up having to be replaced by Yoel Romero to uh, make this card. It just doesn't feel super special this card it's a pay-per-view in australia where the headliner was going to be from australia it made all the sense in the world and i really like the fight between you know, between luke and uh robert whitaker for the undisputed middleweight championship it felt like it was going to be a way to help move the division on from the whole michael bisping george st pierre type of era that you got from that type of feeling that you got now unfortunately with uh, Robert Whitaker having had, you know, some infections, and then on top of that, he had other things happen with his hamstring, and, you know, he got the chicken pox, and now he's having a kid, uh, which is obviously a good thing, the kid part, of course, but it's just uh, unfortunate that he fell off this card, but nonetheless, Joel Romero versus Luke Rockwood is an excellent, excellent fight. I'm really looking forward to watching it and seeing how it plays out, even though it's not going to do huge pay-per-view draws or ratings. um, Nonetheless, it's going to be a really good fight. So I think that the winner of this fight is actually going to be Yoel Romero. The reason why is because I just feel that Rockhold in his previous two performances has shown chinks in his armor when it comes to striking. Romero is super dynamic, super athletic, and he does get a little bit, he does get tired quicker than does a Luke Rockhold, but I don't think that Rockhold's going to be able to get it to the ground um, by will. I believe if it does get there to the ground, it'll happen in some sort of scramble. Maybe Romero ends up on bottom after having taken Rockhold to the ground, and I do favor Rockhold once it gets to the mat. but Romero, I believe, will have the wrestling in order to uh, control that part of the, the the fight, and he'll be able to take Rockhold down should he want to. He won't be able to keep him there very long because Luke is so talented there, and the only way that Luke is going to be on his back for a very uh, long amount of time is if he chooses to do so. I don't think Romero is the best at, um, you know, really laying and really wearing out his opponents on the ground. He kind of just gets the takedown, will be there for a second, and then it gets back up to the feet. So, But the key in this fight is that Rockhold, again, he's an excellent, excellent striker, but it just appears that there are some holes. Romero is definitely the quicker athlete, the quicker um, to the punch and, and things of that nature. He's got that dynamic need that he likes to throw. I just believe that Romero will be able to win this fight due to the fact that he's going to be have the ability not to let it get to the ground, not spend too much time there. And even though I do believe that Rockhold is the cleaner, more technical striker, I believe Romero will 
land something that that will end up in a knockout somewhere in that second round, making him the interim middleweight champion and setting up a nice rematch between him and Robert Whitaker. I know most people are going with Rockhold, but Romero, unless he hits father time, I see him winning this fight. Of course, on the other hand, Rockhold does have a very clear path to victory, just use his techniques. Um, really attack the body of Romero with his kicks. He's got excellent kicks. He shouldn't be afraid to go to the ground with Romero. He should be able to get up pretty quickly should that happen. I don't believe he'll suffer from any amount of ground and pound too much from Romero because I don't think he'll be able to control him there. So for Rockwell, it's just be smart. Attack the body often uh, and, and hold your range. Don't be too aggressive. And just be confident in yourself that you'll be able to wear him out later on in the rounds and, and really put it on him in that fourth round, starting in that fourth round. But nonetheless, I'm going with Romero round one, round two. Next fight on the card that I'm really interested in, uh, the the rest of the card is okay. You've got Juicio Formiga versus Ben Wynn. That's a, that's a really good fight in my opinion. Uh, one that I'm really looking forward to. Ben Wynn is someone that I think has really improved. Um, leaps and bounds since his first fight in the UFC, and we'll see how he does against top-level competition and Juicier Formiga, who's a little bit of a um, you know some uh, of a stepping stone in that 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 division. If you can get past Juicier Formiga, you can get you know that means that you belong in the elite. If you can't, then it need, means that you still have some work to get to um, you still have some work before you get to that elite status. Tyson Pedro's back on this card after losing his first fight. It'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back. Jake Matthews also on the card, but the co-main event is really the only other real intriguing fight. The reason being is because Mark Hunt's facing a guy in Curtis Blades who doesn't always have the most dominant performances, is a little bit lackluster in being impressive um, in his fights. I think that... I think that this is a very interesting fight. This is an opportunity for Curtis to really start making some noise in the heavyweight division, especially because of how shallow it is, especially considering that he did give Francis a little bit of a good fight. Um, he ended up losing, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't the worst performance in the world. I think that Blades also, you know, again, being a younger guy, new blood, a, a newer name, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him in training that he's just excellent. So for that reason, I'm actually going to go with Curtis Blades defeating Mark Hunt. I do believe that Mark Hunt had a lot of trouble. He's really struggled against a guy like Stipe Miocic when he decided to wrestle him and hold him down on the ground. I really believe that Blades will have a similar type mentality here. I think that he's going to have to play Mark Hunt's game for a little bit, but maybe do it for the first 30 seconds to a minute. That may even be too long for him because he definitely is going to be at a disadvantage when it comes to the striking against a guy who's a former K1 striker and Mark Hunt. But should he be able to land a couple shots and then really get him on a double or single, get him against the cage, get him down somehow, and just really grind him out and control him, that is his path to victory. I believe that he does that. I don't believe that he finishes the fight. I believe Curtis Blades wins by a unanimous decision, 30-27. to 27. I think his grappling will come in strong this this uh, fight, and uh, it'll be pretty impressive. Now, whether or not he'll leave that off actor with you, not so sure that's going to happen, but it will let you know that he is a true contender in this heavyweight division, and he's ready for the next level of competitors in the heavyweight division.
Okay, so that's all I really have about UFC 221. Like I said, unfortunately, this card has lost a lot of its um, luster when it came to Robert Whitaker defending the belt against Luke Rockhold. I was really excited about that. With that being off the card, I know that that wasn't going to do huge numbers in the first place, but... Um, for a hardcore fan like myself, it was going to be something that we, we've been wanting to see for quite some time. It was going to bring back some normalcy to that middleweight division. As of now, it's just another interim belt that we have to deal with. And then, you know, the rest of the card is not so good. Uh, you know, the Austin Fight Night card that will be uh, attending is probably a little bit better than the rest of the card after the main event. So that just shows you what type of quality that they put into this card, unfortunately. But nonetheless, let's get on to some other news. Let's talk about another pay-per-view, UFC 222. Let's talk about this for a second. It'll be a, it'll be Chris Cyborg versus Kunitskaya. I believe that's how you pronounce her name, Yana Kunitskaya. Um, please forgive me if I'm saying that incorrectly, but she's a former, uh, she, I believe she's a former uh, bantamweight champion in Invicta. She had that controversial win over um, Tanya Evinger and then proceeded to end up losing that fight. So this is a girl that is talented. She's probably not as good as even maybe a Tanya Evinger. So this is going to be very much in favor of Chris Cyborg to win this fight. So we'll see what happens here. But, um, you know, this is kind of what they had to do after Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar fell out with Max having a, some sort of leg injury. That was a big uh, step down, unfortunately. Um, so they had to go with the next best thing. They really couldn't find anyone to replace this fight. They talked about Cody Garbrandt fighting TJ Dillashaw in a rematch. I didn't like the idea of that. It felt like it would be rushed. That's the type of rematch that you really want to put some promotion behind. And just also... When it comes to what's the best fight to put on right now, I don't believe that that would be the best one in TJ Dillashaw's case. I think the best fight would have been to uh, do TJ Dillashaw versus Demetrius Johnson for a super fight in the 125-pound division. It makes a lot of sense right now. I think the cues at both of those divisions would allow for that to happen. There not to be too much controversy, uh, depending on how the depending on how the results came about. But, nonetheless, um, they were pushing for that fight, but they didn't make it happen. Um, there really wasn't any other options. You know, a lot of people are taking, uh, are booked right now. There's not a lot of stars that they could choose from. It was already a pretty weak card to begin with. I mean, it's, or it's not a weak card to begin with, but, I mean, it kind of was... If you look at it, it was going to be Frankie Edgar versus Max Holloway. Then you were going to have Sean O'Malley versus Andre Sukmatov. Stefan Struve versus Andre Arlovsky was going to be your co-main event. Katz Ngano versus Ketlin Vieira. Um, this card, actually, after having the additional fight put on, actually looks a little bit more appealing, in my opinion. Uh, the Holloway is versus Edgar thing is a devastating blow, but you bring another hot featherweight contender in there like Brian Ortega, who has a little bit of that star factor, a little bit of that um, shine on him that you like to see, and that is a super intriguing fight. That would be a great main event for a fight night. It's going to be your co-main event of the night. Then you're going to have Chris Cyborg defending her featherweight title against Kunitskaya, which um, may seem like a 
just like a no-brainer that Cyborg would win. But nonetheless, you're seeing a title defended. It's not the best fight, but it is what it is. Um, on the other hand, you will see Sean O'Malley, so he's an, the exciting guy off of the uh, Tuesday night contender series for Dana White that was really impressive. He already has a win in the UFC as well. Yeah, then you get Stefan Struve versus Andre Arlovsky, which I love much better in the position that it's in now. It doesn't have to be the co-main event. That could be a very entertaining fight. Zangano making her way back against Ketlin Vieira. It's going to be very intriguing to see what Zangano can do. If she can get a win back, she'll have a couple options, whether it comes to bantamweight or featherweight. Uh, she has a win over Amanda Nunes and has been vying to to the face Cyborg in the featherweight division as well. So if she has an exciting performance, there could be something intriguing happening there. Then you also have Mackenzie Dern versus Ashley Yoder, which is going to be a very intriguing fight. Mackenzie Dern is a huge star in the jiu-jitsu community, and um, she's got the looks that you know, a lot of fans are looking for in stars. She's got the, you know, she seems to have the some great, excellent talent when it comes to her grappling. But let's see how she does in her first UFC fight. It's her, it's her debut. What's her striking look like? It'll be an interesting test to see what she's really all about in this women's strawweight division. Then you also have Benil Dariush versus Bobby Green, and what is an excellent, excellent fight. Benil Dariush versus Bobby Green could be a barn burner. And then you've got John Dodson versus uh, Pedro Munoz in the bantamweight champion in the bantamweight fight. So this is a good. Uh, so this is an interesting uh, place as w this is an interesting fight as well as it had been scrapped from the UFC Fight Night card and from Machida versus Anders. Okay, and then uh, Lombard versus CB Dalloway is interesting. Mike Pyle versus Zach Otto. Uh, so you got some good names on this card. It's actually one of the better cards of the year so far. It's not saying a whole lot. There's not a lot of star power. There's not a lot of brand in this card. But nonetheless, uh, the UFC had to do the best they could. Um, considering the circumstances, this actually ended up a little bit better than I anticipated. So I will take it for the moment. Okay, so let's talk about Michael Bisping. Um and what he's trying to decide as far as his retirement fight goes. Looks like Leoto Machida called him out for his retirement fight, and Michael Bisping so far is, is, uh, is more than happy to oblige with that request from Leoto Machida. Machida uh, said that he would like to fight Bisping in the retirement fight, and Bisping says that it ticks all the boxes, so it seems like this fight probably is going to happen at some point. I think it would be an excellent fight to watch. Machida looked pretty good in his last fight against Eric Anders. He wasn't super offensive, but there's plenty of fights even in his prime where he wasn't super offensive. He was able to win. He's very defensively minded. He, his chin is still uh, deteriorating. He isn't able to take a shot as well as he once was. With Michael Bisping not having the most power, that makes it very interesting considering that he can knock his people out but it's not going to be a one-hit quitter for the for the average human being um, unless you leave yourself wide open like a Luke Rockhold did, right? So that's just the case. 
Um, I think this is a good fight. I mean, it's against two guys of similar age, two guys that have had a similar trajectory in the UFC, two guys that are legends, especially within their own countries. I think it would be, it's awesome to see these guys fight each other um, later in their careers and in a fight where Michael Bisping is retiring. I think it's a good challenge against a guy in Lyoto Machido who's very well respected. And uh, win or lose, it's not going to be a tragic thing for Michael Bisping. So I like this fight. I think they should make it happen, and we'll see if they are able to do so down the ro- down the road. Next fight that was announced is Michelle Watterson is going to be fighting Courtney Casey at UFC on Fox 29. So that's going to be um, that's going to be taking place April 14th of 2018. This card is quickly quickly filling up with some really really nice fights i really like how this fight card is trending i'm a huge fan of watching courtney casey she fights extremely tough she does a good job of maintaining a really exciting fight style even though she comes up on the wrong end of of fights quite often on the other hand michelle watterson someone to the ufc was was had been pushing for quite some time she's had a rough time in her past a few fights as well. She hasn't been on the biggest winning streak of all time or anything like that. But um, she definitely, definitely um, has an opportunity here to get back onto the right track and really get her momentum going once again. This card is starting to look really nice. You've got Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. You've got Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. Michelle Watterson versus Courtney Casey. John Moraga versus Wilson Hayes. Diego Lima versus Jushin Okami. And then Arjun Bowler um, is on the card as well at heavyweight. So, interesting fight card. You even have Brad Tavares versus Christoph Jotko. So, a good fight card being put together in Arizona, in Glendale so far. I'd like to see one big, big fight on there. Not sure if it's going to happen. Uh, just really not sure where the UFC is at with their TV deal and what their priority is and making sure that those UFC Fox cards are really uh, top-notch. Okay, so the very last thing I want to discuss is going to be uh, Nate Diaz saying that his best option is to fight Tyrone Woodley for the, in his UFC return at welterweight. So let's just talk about how ridiculous this is. It would just be incredibly uh, frustrating for everyone involved to see that the UFC would be willing to go ahead would be willing to go ahead and make another circus fight in Tyrone Woodley versus Nate Diaz. Um, Nate Diaz, his last fight was a loss to Conor McGregor. Before that, he has, I think, like two straight wins. That's not a very impressive resume. He's gotten dominated quite often at welterweight, other than a guy at, other than a guy like Conor, who he even lost to at welterweight as well. Right, so he lost a true lightweight at welterweight, and he's get, gotten manhandled by the likes of Roy McDonald and some other guys up in that division. There's a reason why he went back down to that 155-pound division. And for Woodley, this would be, yes, for him that would be a big fight, but I absolutely agree with something that Kevin Lee said on Brendan Schaub's podcast, which was, you know, 
these guys, they keep complaining and complaining and complaining. And sure, there are some complaints, there's valid complaints that a guy like Tyron Woodley has and some of these other guys. But it seems like that's all they do and they go, I want the money fight, I want the money fight. Well, make yourself the money fight. Make yourself the, start, the main attraction. Make yourself the real deal. Don't complain and complain and complain to the point where people want to turn off the TV because they don't want to hear what you have to say and you're complaining about if you have something thoughtful to say say it but also pump yourself up make sure instead of saying i want the money fight just say you know if you feel like you're not being treated correctly say it don't say go ahead and express that but also express that you know what you are the money fight you are the real deal i'm not second fiddle i i should be on the ones that are topping these cards. Like this guy over here, Nate Diaz is nothing. I'm something. You should pay attention to me, right? But he wants to put the attention on the other guys. He wants to say, oh, well, I got to get the Nate Diaz or the George St. Pierre fight. You know what? That's fine and well, you know, behind the scenes or if you want to call them out, go for it. But then you complain and say, I've got to have this fight because, you know, I'll get paid a lot. Well, then it just makes you sound a little bit desperate. So... And this looks like another one of those moves where it's a little bit desperate. It just is. Unfortunately, that is the case. Um, with that being the case, um, I just think that this fight makes no sense. You've got to do Rafael Dos Santos versus Tyron Woodley next. If Tyron Woodley starts to clean out the revision, if George St. Pierre wants to come back, then give George St. Pierre to Tyron Woodley. He'll have his money fight. But Tyron Woodley should say at this point, you know what? I'm not getting it. Maybe I will. I can behind the scenes keep looking for it. I can make a little bit of noise here and there about Conor McGregor, about George St. Pierre, about Nate Diaz. But if I'm not getting it, if it not makes sense, I need to focus on myself. I need to focus on making myself a superstar, not complaining so much because everyone knows full well what our complaints are at this point in time. But it's time to focus on letting everyone know. Let everyone know why you are the champion, why you are the person that they should be watching, why they, you are the person they should be putting down their $60 for. Um, on the other hand, it all makes all the sense in the world for Nate Diaz. He's looking for another big payday. He believes that he can still be a star by himself. He wants that Conor McGregor fight, no doubt. I think in his the back of his head, he knows that he can't wait for Conor. But also that, that Connor fight will always be there as long as they're both active and fighting. And it'll be bringing huge pay-per-view numbers, right? But it gets you going in the meantime. I've been off for 17 months. Got to make some more money. He's a draw in, himself, in his own right and an opportunity to win the welterweight championship. In which case, if Connor were to win his next fight, would absolutely be chomping at the bit to go fight at the welterweight to fight Nate Diaz for the title. That is a smart move on Nate Diaz's part. But, again, he doesn't deserve it. I don't think that it would be absolutely super competitive. I think Woodley would be able to win this fight just with his grappling pretty easily. I think it is a bit of a mismatch, although you never can tell in the sport of mixed martial arts. But it's an issue. Um, I'm happy to hear that Dana White came out and said that that's ridiculous. That fight's not being offered. Uh, so there's been some conflicting stories, but I really hope that they don't go with that fight. I'd much rather see Nate Diaz return to lightweight and fight someone in that division that 
they'd like to pair him up with. Maybe perhaps an Anthony Showtime Pettis, someone like of that elk, and uh, maybe have him co-main of a big pay-per-view card that has a, a you know a headlining uh, title title fight that needs a little bit more help with a guy like Nate Diaz that will help immensely. Um, as far as Tyron Woodley's goes, he he just needs to keep it going in that welterweight division, keep building his brand, and really needs to start focusing on himself rather than the UFC and what they're not doing and also the other fighters and uh, who the money fight is. He needs to make himself the money fight. So that's about all I have for today. It's a bit of a short episode, but I've been pretty busy lately. So let me know what y'all think about any of the topics that we covered today. Um, at Sabata MMA on Twitter. Again, that's at Sabata MMA on Twitter. I'll try to reach out to y'all if y'all are interested in that, anything that I discussed today or if y'all want to ask any questions or have any comments from what I put out there today to y'all. Um, let me know. Until then, enjoy UFC 221 this weekend. Let's see what happens between Romero and Rockwell. It should be an awesome, awesome fight. Until then, have a good one, guys. Bye.